Hello, this is the One Fish podcast for people building high trust, self-responsible cultures which move fast and are genuinely uplifting places to work. I'm Carrie Beddingfield, I'm the founder of One Fish Two Fish, and in this podcast I will be in conversation with my One Fish colleagues and our extended team to bring the concepts we use every day in our work into focus, from self-organising to agile meetings, and from culture hacking to beauty and business. Today for a new episode of our On the Horizon series is Kamala Katbamler, Director of CHIRP, an award-winning agency that helps leaders to be more courageous, compelling and human at work. Kamala helps people to develop clarity of purpose, to take strategic risks and show up with their full selves. And one of the words we're hearing more and more about in organisations and leadership is vulnerability. This is an area that Kamala works deeply in with senior leaders all over the world. So let's start here. Kamala, hello. Hi, Perry. <laughs> and why, what got you so interested in the conversation about vulnerability? Wow, good question. So it's partly that it's something we're hearing a lot about and it's something that has been a feature of my work and my before I became a coach and a consultant the work that I did uh, in television and as a, as a performer as well but but I think at the moment we are in a really interesting point in which the world is ever more disruptive and of course that's something that we hear about as well a lot and I think within that you're capacity to sit with uncertainty and to navigate your way through discomfort and ambiguity is really critical if you're going to be able to lead through a world that's changing ever faster and part of that being able to sit with that uncertainty is about being able to give up a degree of control over the outcome and over how you're perceived and I think that fundamentally is what vulnerability is about so that's why it's important you if you want to continue if you want to survive and indeed thrive in this ever more disruptive climate you need to be able to show up with 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 at least a degree of vulnerability and and to to be able to be okay with discomfort and and enable everybody else to be okay with it too so that you can actually move forward and not just get stuck or revert back to the traditional ways of doing things which are no longer fit for purpose in a 21st century world. So it sounds like um, perhaps 30, 40, 60 years ago um, leadership was far more about um, clearly about command and control, it was about authoritative leadership, um, about instilling confidence and to a a great degree being invulnerable that was that's what we associate with uh, with great leaders and now that the world has changed and we're faced with more uncertainty we need different skills yes I think that's absolutely right and I think that it's no longer okay to be an automaton to be an identikit Mm. leader like everybody else actually you know, we want a bit of uh, diversity, diversity, we want some divergent ideas, uh, not always, but quite often. And, and in order to do that, in order to show up with your ideas and to talk about who you are and actually what you think and why you think that, 
you that puts you in a somewhat vulnerable position and anything that 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 involves you showing up as a human being involves a degree of vulnerability and so if we want that if we want our leaders to show up as themselves to come with their ideas to come with an openness and a curiosity about the world and about what's out there and what the opportunities might be to come with a willingness to fail and see failure not as poor personal performance but opportunities to learn from the thing that you're trying out and the thing you're doing then we also have to be okay with vulnerability and 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 acknowledge that it, it is it is it is part of being a, a person and then there are lots of things within that about you know what vulnerability means uh, you know how much of it you show you know where when all of that kind of stuff but i think as a as a fundamental it's something that that we need to be okay with in the workplace and when it's done well so i'm making uh, air quotes as i say this when when it when vulnerability um is shown in such a way that it does all those good things and allows um, everybody to sit with uncertainty what does that look like can you give some examples of how we might spot that so i think so one way in which i think it it can be done really well is 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 a approaching everything with a with a beginner's mindset so not needing to own all of the answers from the outset but but being willing to say i don't know being willing to be curious being willing to investigate something and also to distinguish you know have a, a, a distinguish between your value as a human being the other person's value as a human being and this thing that you're creating between you that you're talking about the idea that you're developing or the project that you're that you're working on and i think being able to to have that self-awareness about when that line is becoming blurred enables you to be curious about why that line might be becoming blurred for you and then again to, to try to focus on the thing rather than how how you might feel and what it might be saying about you and i think that creates greater clarity and it enables you to move faster because you know so 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 being aware of your of your vulnerability and perhaps the other person's vulnerability means that you can focus more on the task in hand rather than you know moving into a mode where you feel a bit defensive does that make sense yeah absolutely and i'm as i think about it i guess and let me test this. So, so I, I feel like we are we are all inherently vulnerable. That's that's what it is to be human. Yeah. And then there's a question of are we are we aware of our own vulnerability? And if we are, are we willing to show that to others? Yes. And it's about the interaction. I think vulnerability shows up in the interaction. So if you're on your own, it's sort of you. I mean, you to be as you say, to be human is to be is to be vulnerable is to have vulnerabilities. But but it's about how it shows up when you interact with somebody mm. else because it sort of doesn't show up in a, in a way until you have an audience air quote uh, and it's it's the, it's the, it's in the interaction that it that it comes to the fore and so um can you have too much of it when it when is it when is it not useful yeah. uh so well i think yes you can have too much of it i think that it's also about so too much of it also depends on how you think about what it what vulnerability means. So I think one of the reasons I find it really interesting is that I think there's a lot of interpretation of vulnerability, or at least some interpretation of vulnerability, as being about sharing. 
so you share stuff about yourself and and that's that's fine and sometimes sharing stuff about yourself involves a degree of vulnerability and sometimes it doesn't actually because you've already planned it out you know exactly what you're going to share it feels very safe and so you're very in control of whatever mm -hmm. you're sharing you can have the flip side of that so i would say that's not a very vulnerable place to be but it's sometimes seen as vulnerable. yeah the flip side of that is sharing everything <laughs> about yourself and essentially kind of landing it on the other person or the other people who are then left kind of holding this thing they don't know what to mm. do with it and i think that you need to be aware of the context and the, uh, the other people that you are with and the level of vulnerability that they can manage and really mm. think about what is going to, going to serve you in that moment and what is going to serve your collective interest and if revealing everything about yourself and, and, and sort of lumping it on everyone else is not going is going to distract rather than than help everybody to open up a little bit and to think differently then that's not very useful so yeah so so i'm um so the the, the bit that r really landed for me there was um that do, does sharing or disclosing something does that serve our common good and purpose which is so such a helpful um uh litmus test but am i am i just oversharing um and i or guess sharing nothing or, share, or, or sharing nothing am i am i appearing to be sharing something and, uh, and actually and I'm, I'm giving nothing and we can spot that I think as you know as other people in the room we spot that and it it, it reduces the amount of trust so sh showing up with a degree of, of, of vulnerability often increases trust but seeming to show up with vulnerability that actually is is total safety and no vulnerability at all yes and that's unhelpful and, and there's a there's a kind of um, an implication of, of a degree of conscious choice here so so I remember um, and I do tell this story quite a lot at the start of um, uh, a work, a, an, an unrelated workshop that I deliver sometimes, which is how I was asked to present at um, at Cambridge University Judge Business School Open Day for their um, diploma for entrepreneurs, and I was there as a sort of tame entrepreneur, and I was female and under eighty, which made me really unusual <laughs> at that time in the in the past. So I think I was on hot demand, um, so I went and I unspoken, and, and the and the topic was. Um, is it worth the risk to be an entrepreneur or something like that? And I kind of, and I had at the time, I think already done a TEDx talk about sharing all sorts of things. And so I went with my kind of story and, um, and delivered it. And I got a nice round of applause and I, and I felt like, oh, I've really kind of shown them what it's like to be um, an entrepreneur. And then a guy got up after me, he was the second speaker and he, um, he started, to, he's somebody I know quite well. He, um, and he, he, he stood up and said, well, I was asked to give this talk and I, talk, I talked to my wife about it last night and, you know, just to see what she thought. And, you know, and he said, you know, the reality is I've been building this um, wind turbine for the last 20 years and I haven't, I haven't made any money yet at all. And my wife um, has a long term illness and hasn't also hasn't worked for 20 years so we've really just survived on on fresh air so last night when I sat down and I said to her has you know has my has this entrepreneurship been worth the risk and his voice kind of trailed off and cracked and he was basically crying and the whole audience was 
spellbound. It was an absolutely kind of because, because I'm absolutely certain you didn't didn't plan to do that, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and the the kind of beauty and power of that vulnerability compared to my very controlled, contrived sharing was and it was unspeakably beautiful and it will stick in my memory forever as this thing was kind of broadcast across you know 40 countries and and so on and so he he didn't mean to do that (laughs) so how how and yet it was brilliant and beautiful and I'm trying to reconcile can you help me understand when is when do you plan it and when does it just happen and how do you plan for it to just happen (laughs) I don't think that you can I don't think you can plan for it to just happen no no and I think that you what you can do is plan to say something you might not have shared before Mm. share your thoughts about something and to share what you really feel about them rather than a somewhat sanitized version of them so Mm. It's when when I uh, when I work with organisations and if I'm asked to deliver a, a talk, I always have this thing where I sort of you know I, I want to, on the one hand, show up as precisely who I am, which is lots of things, including for example being a strident feminist, and I also know that that, that is uncomfortable <laughs> for for some people to hear, and so I have always this sort of conflict between being full me and being a sort of going the other way and being yet another person who shows up I could be anybody with these messages you know there's nothing there's nothing of me in mm. them. and trying to strike a balance between those those two points so I'm ge- delivering something that, that they can that they can hear and 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 take away because I haven't entirely alienated them and at the same time putting myself into it and so for me that often involves saying something new saying something that I haven't uh sort of I don't have damn pat yet Mm. telling a story that I might not have told before so there Mm. is a degree of spontaneity in it and in the same way I used to uh I used to be a jazz singer and you know scat is a big part of of jazz and there's a degree I think that is interesting when you when you are improvising in that context because on the one hand you've got you've got the you've got chords you know you know what the chords are and you've got uh, a melody already that you you've probably sung before you go into the improvisation bit so you've got some you've got some safety and some boundaries but in the improvisation, in order for it to work, you have to go on a flight of something. You have yeah. to have a degree of spontaneity. You have to do something new. And because it's all emerging from your mouth in the moment, and yeah. you, you really, there are no guarantees about what might come out, <laughs> as I have discovered, uh, that, that, that makes it real in the moment. And so I think it's about having a degree of spontaneity but also being uh, safe enough in yourself and secure enough in yourself to be able to allow that spontaneity mm. to fly. So it's it's not giving up all control and giving up everything and just, you know, showing up, no prep. Although you might do that. <laughs> and again, it, depends, it really depends on the audience. But I think generally it's about being willing to share something new, being willing to share something you deeply 
hold and also being willing to share something that you are unsure about mm. you know and I think again going back to that beginner's mindset and, and the curiosity there can be vulnerability in saying this is something I'm thinking about this is something I'm testing out mm. and and it's new and I'm I don't know how this is going to come out. I don't know how this is going to sound. And actually that creates space for other people to be interested in it as mm. well. And that can be incredibly compelling too. So for example, when, when um, uh, we're working on it, um, at my end working on a design or UX for something or, um, uh, or a mock-up or a prototype, we, uh, in the accelerator, we really encourage people to um, to show things at quite a wireframey basic stage because as soon as you've artworked something and made it look pretty, then you don't get such good feedback because people assume um, the the job's done and um, and it's not worth sharing any information. People hate doing that; they want to show good stuff. Yeah, and and also I think. Uh, once it's got to quite uh, quite far down the line, you're really invested in it. And then going mm-hmm. back to that thing about how you distinguish between your value as a person. Yes, yeah. Yeah. That line is very blurred. Yeah. <laughs> because you put yeah. a lot of into it. And I think it's interesting in that uh, quite often when I, um, I'm working with, with organisations with, with senior leaders and they're talking about how they can be more innovative and how they can support and encourage innovation in their, in their organisations, one thing that, that is said quite often is that in order not to kill off ideas, mm. people creating ideas should be allowed to just kind of run with them and, and, not, and to do so without interference. Yeah. And at the same time, there's a need and a desire to know what is happening in yeah. organisation so that you can tie it up yeah. and make sure it's relevant and informed and you know, that, that you know that the customers are actually going to want it. Yeah because otherwise you haven't really you know you might have a, a nice product but if nobody wants it anymore because times have changed then you you know that's time wasted and I think there's a I think vulnerability is really to the fore within that because for the people creating it mm. a vulnerable place to be to show it at a really early stage yeah. the more you do that the easier it becomes and again the less you know the less blurred that line is between you and the thing you're you're making but also on the on the part of whoever is coming to look at it yes to acknowledge that they don't have all the answers either and maybe they're not the experts on it yeah and it is at an early stage and you know and that's that's all fine and I think the way that uh, our organizations our uh, industries were has been one in which it has been very particularly the more senior you get it's been very important to be the one who owns all the answers mm. and so giving that up can be quite a vulnerable thing to do and also being who you are can be run really vulnerable when I work with um some of my coaches that's something that comes up quite a lot in that they're often thinking about which role do they go to and which role is going to be better rather than what they want to do as individuals. And some of the questions that they encounter, you know, if I, if I follow my own path and if I think about how those roles might meet me on my path rather than me going off to see that, if I do that, who will I be, (laughs) you know, and is that, is that allowed? Yes. You know, because it's allowed. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about trade-offs, isn't it? It's about what you're willing to trade 
in exchange for, for you know to get one thing what are you willing mm. to exchange for that and i think that one of the key trade-offs is is about what costs you energy and what gives you energy mm. you know, so what what is ultimately something might be really hard work like you know sharing your new thought about something when you don't know how it's going to be received so again you know you can't control the outcome you can't totally control how you'll be, be received that might be quite expensive in the short term because <laughs> mm. it's quite hard work and a bit scary and you know involves a degree of fear about what everyone's going to think but in the longer term it will probably save you energy because you you know you get to uh, you clarify your thinking um you can move faster uh, often because you might find allies there are all sorts of reasons so i think there's that thing about you know what what costs you uh energy and what saves you energy and what you trade in the short term for the long term and, and also trying to do everything perfectly and have everything finished and polished and perfect is quite exhausting it is can we not do that so much please how do we how how do you move from being somebody who's always got it all together and and is known for always having the right answers and always being you know being incredibly well prepared or keeping control everything going right because you always control it to letting go a bit I think that probably so I think there are there are several things within that I think that the way that organisations are structured can help with that. So there are things that you can do. So agile working might be one of those ways. Yeah. Where you you do everything at an earlier point. So you look at things at an earlier point. You encourage a questioning mindset rather than, you know, a sort of I've got all the answers sort of mindset. But I also think that at some level it comes down to individuals. And again, mm-hmm. so I think, I think it's really interesting within organisations that, that even very, very senior leaders will be looking for somebody else to give them the permission to do this. And there's a degree to which actually you have to make a decision for yourself. Yeah. You know, and it's on all of us to make those decisions and to, to think, is, the, is this the life that I want to lead? Because it is really tiring trying to be perfect. And also you can't be perfect. And even your perception of perfection might not be somebody else's no. all the right things and take all the right boxes and still not get as far as the next person mm. or go in the direction you want or get what you want from it it's so annoying on that so I, I think it's it's really about thinking for yourself do you do you want that you know do you do you want to be exhausted and constantly having success around the next corner? Because the search for perfection means that, you know, you, you, you like, there's some funny thing about perfection, perfectionism, which means that, you know, you're seeking perfection, but because of that, you're acknowledging that you're not perfect while trying to be perfect. Mm. And, you know, and it's, and you're trying to perfect a system, which, is inevitably flawed because it's a living, you know, we're yes. living beings. Um, and I think that for lots of people, there will come a point at which that search for very narrowly defined success and perfection will interfere with, you know, their levels of energy to get up and do that all the time. And so I think 
there's something on, on us as individuals to be more uh, to be more open to vulnerability, to be more open to failure, to be clearer about the line between personal performance and and you know the failure of, of an experiment, say. Um, but there's also something on organisations in how they're structured to to allow that and encourage it and it, and to celebrate it mm. and to and to and to really think about what they're celebrating as well. So not just celebrating somebody sharing a story that they've told a million times before and is clearly designed to um, tickle these yeah. people, <laughs> um, but somebody really stepping into discomfort and and hanging out there and seeing what they find out. Mm. And that requires a degree of slowing down in order to move faster. Mm. So being able to pause and to sit with it rather than sidestepping it in order to carry on, to cleave to, to the norm and to do, do things the way they've always been done. Because mm. we know that isn't going to, that isn't going to work ultimately. Mm. And okay, so, so clearly it's on us um, to uh, consider who, who we want to be in um, key situations in our working life and the rest of our life. And you've mentioned a couple of times that um, if it's something that an organisation is trying to uh, encourage, adopt, make it part of its culture, that there are things that it could or should or, or might might do. So if somebody listening is trying to think about how to bring more vulnerability to their organisation, what do you think they should be thinking about and doing? I think I would probably start with how failure is perceived mm -hmm. in the organisation. Because I think one of the key things that makes us feel vulnerable is a fear of, of failing and also then you're vulnerable not just in yourself but you might be vulnerable financially and you know in your home and your family and all the rest of it so it, there are lots of there are lots of kind of fears that are triggered by that mm. initial fear of failure and so I think that you know these aren't necessarily new things um but 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 sort of you know we see companies like Spotify for example will have a failure wall and and other organizations that I've worked with have adopted that as well so you sort of take the attitude that if we're not failing enough, we're not trying hard enough either. We're just doing exactly what we always are. We're not doing anything new. So you clock up all of your failures and, you know, you can own them and, and put them out there. Similarly, uh, fuck up nights as they're, they're known, you, you know, you get together and you share a story of, um, of how you failed, how it's all gone horribly wrong. And I know that that's something founders meetings quite often involve, an element of that as well um and really seeing it as an opportunity to to extract learning but also i was talking to someone the other day who worked in an organization in which they were financially rewarded for failing fast extracting the learning fast and then diverting funds the you know the funds that would have been spent on that project right that they could now develop faster based on what they'd learned yeah that's the only time I've come across that I have to say it's one shiny example of that but I think that's really interesting because I think there's also something for organizations to think about in terms of what what are their KPIs what is it they, that they ultimately value mm. and 
lots of organizations will have it even in their values they'll have values like um trying to think how to phrase these so I don't actually name the values <laughs> of a specific organization um but but there will be something about winning you know and there will be something about you know they might not use the word perfection but they'll use a combination of words that basically for excellence or... yes exactly exactly yeah. and it's not just about striving for excellence it's about being excellent yeah so on the one hand uh, so you've got to win you've got to be excellent and you must also take risks and be innovative. Yeah. the entrepreneurial and, and innovative exactly exactly yeah. and and the skills that you need to be entrepreneurial and to be innovative and to be creative also require uh uncertainty because you know it's inherent to the nature of risk that it might fail and that uncertainty means that you can't control everything and because you can't control everything that leaves you a little bit vulnerable so you they are almost at odds you can't mm. have both of those things this you know asking people to to take risks and be creative and be innovative and at the same time to get everything right all of the time a bit like you can't it's um ch uh, cheaper faster better pick two <laughs> yeah, precisely precisely and so i think that there is something really fundamental in how organizations think about themselves and what they say that they value mm. that really feeds into the culture so i think it's both that there's both the kind of this the practical structural things you can have a failure wall you might have um say it again fuck up nights um uh you might have um you might look at your kpis you might have a monetary thing but it's also about the imagination of the company how the how the company and the people within the, within the company imagine themselves and that i think comes to things like values what is it that you say that you value and you know and how and, and because you know often those values the organizational values will map onto the values of the mm the individuals so if you say that you value i mean not that i've heard this but it's winning at all costs you will probably attract people yeah. who want to win at all costs and therefore you're not you're not um attracting the kind of people who are going to enable you to um to take risks to be innovative to um fail and learn from it but also you're constricting those people who might want to do that from doing it and so i think you have to look at some of the conflicts that you've set up within your organization in yeah. terms of how you are talking about the organization and talk isn't everything it's a you know it's talk and it's actions but talk is important mm -hmm. you know what people say about the organization and about each other sinks in yeah. and it creates culture well i'm minded of um a, a hilarious meeting i had with a really brilliant engineering um consultancy um where the engineers were talking about what happened when a project was sold and they said well what normally happens is the proposal comes in you know it, it'll be um to complete it'll probably take you know about three or four times the hour man hours that they've allowed the proposal will probably in two or three ways break the laws of physics and <laughs> and that's what we sold to the client and that's inked in the contract now and that's where we start i was like oh right and i did you know obviously it's a sort of a, a, a wry engineering joke um however i they're right that you know this this inherent impossible um scenario has already been inked into the contract and they're left to deal with it yeah. and they were just brave enough to say that and i'm just wondering about the parallel of 
you know, organisations who set up their everything from what the language they use, how they recruit people, how they describe themselves, what they say their values are, how their processes and structures work, and reward and all the, that kind of infrastructure fundamentally breaks the law of, laws of human nature. Yeah. Yes, I think, I think yeah. it does. And also it's, it's at odds with what the future of work is looking like mm. it might be. I mean, it's the future, so who, who knows um, how it will actually turn out. does, you do, Kamala. only. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. But if we think about, you know, particularly in uh, an increasingly globalised um, workforce and, and, and maybe more of a sort of gig economy style of, of workforce where people are coming in and out of organisations mm. and where they're dispersed across the world. So maybe all of your interaction is, is virtual. It, how you show up to those people is even more important. So, you know, how you, how you build trust is is partly by by you know being yourself a little bit at least mm. you know, and having a bit of vulnerability in order to be yourself and so if you if if you want your organization to be able to manage that and to have good working relationships even when people aren't in the same room yeah, yeah. Then, then you are going to have to switch the language and the cultural, you're going to have to fix that thing that, you know, as we were saying, is inherently at odds with human nature because it will be even harder. Yeah. I, think, I don't think it was all that easy before, but I think it will become even harder as we are more immersed mm-hmm. and, 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 the, and the relationships are um, less um, sort of long-term and solid. Mm. So leadership, can leaders learn to be vulnerable? And should they? <laughs> yes, and yes. And I think that it's really important to see it also as a process yeah. <laughs> and, and gradual, and it's something that comes very easily to some people and not very easily to other people. And there's a degree to which, you know, part of, part of being vulnerable is being yourself, and part of being yourself is acknowledging that we are all different, mm. and that is okay. Yeah. Um, but the reason I say that it's, a process is also that how you show up to other people if you if you suddenly change um that can be quite alarming yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I necessarily know what to make of it I'm always um reminded of um a fantastic um leader that I worked with who when we were talking about some of the work that we might do together he said and so I'm thinking you know we'll work together for this period of time and then it'll be like the I don't know x date and he said and I'll go in and I'll suddenly be different and and I thought it was so funny and I sort of pointed out to him that, that maybe <laughs> he would be incrementally different over yeah. the period of time we were working together and not yeah. suddenly turn up as a different person um and I and he was like, oh, good, good, good point, good point. Um, <laughs> but, but also, um, it, that sort of thing, seeing it as a slightly longer term process creates some room for going backwards and forwards to experiment. Mm. So, oh, that maybe that was a bit too much for me. That was, that was, you know, I'd, I'd gone out of uh, 
you know, I, I wasn't, wasn't just sort of out of my comfort zone. I was in total panic um, mm. and that wasn't useful. Um, or I shared way too much and I don't feel very comfortable about that now. Um, or I could have done more. Shame hangover, doesn't Brene Brown? Yes. Yeah, I've, I've, never heard that, I've never heard that phrase before, but um, I'm now going to adopt it. Precisely <laughs> 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 oh, no. that. But I think that some of the ways that you can do that as, as a leader are to just before you before you have a conversation before you have an interaction with anybody just be aware that you know you can't control everything be open mm. to the possibility of not controlling everything yeah yeah you have that beginner's mindset be curious maybe don't go in with all of the answers ask questions ask questions of the thing that you have that you know that you're creating between you um and and be curious about what you are feeling so, you know, notice if you are beginning to feel a bit annoyed or a bit irritated or a bit defensive and think about why that might be and why it might be that perhaps something is making you feel a bit vulnerable. Yeah. And it's, I wonder if one of the, well, for me, the key trigger is where I'm, I'm something in some, some work thing in the next week or so is, is increasingly playing on my mind. And I'm getting more and more worried about it. And I'm thinking more and more, I need to do loads of preparation. I need to do this and I haven't got enough time. And, and, I'm, and my drive is to prepare, 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 prepare. And I'm not a very well-prepared person. So that, so that then conflicts with my <laughs> lack of preparation. But there's that warning sign that there's something, I'm worried about something. And I'm trying to become invulnerable. Yes. Yes. But actually, if you ask why, why you're worried about it, and mm. if you can unpick the why behind it, then because I think it's often that um we're thinking about x mm. and um it's making us feel nervous but the reason it's making us feel nervous is actually y over here yeah um, but it's unrelated to x in fact y might be about z if that happened a few months ago yes so if you can be curious about that and unpick it then then it's easier to say well is there something I actually I do need to be worried about and actually I do need to do more prep for this but then I can I know what prep I need to do and I can be much more efficient about what I do and how I do it or is it that actually I'm I'm worried about it because of something else yeah yeah and you know and so actually yeah. actually I've acknowledged that I can see that I was worried about it because of that thing so now I don't I, I don't I don't need to worry about this thing that's going yeah. actually I don't need to do all the prep I've done the prep that I need to do and that's fine so I've talked about We've rummaged around quite a lot around personal vulnerability, what that means, um, some of the sort of uh, paradoxes and interesting twists and turns in considering vulnerability and whether you can ever sort of consciously be truly vulnerable. Who, who knows? Um, and we talked about uh, organisations and how they might systematically um, set themselves up in order to make it uh, more natural to be vulnerable and, and easier and more straightforward and why that can be quite transformational in terms of um, progress and innovation and speed and then finally we you gave us a great insight <laughs> into into how leaders might become more vulnerable uh, ideally gradually <laughs> rather than a sudden <laughs> a sudden high disclosure moment um, <laughs> that sends everybody running for the hills I guess before we close can would you be willing to share something about your own vulnerability, something that will help us understand how you see yourself in the world or how you show up 
um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Before I do that, can I share one? Of course. Um, which is just, uh, it's, a, it's one of those things that is really simple and really obvious. And yet it is still helpful, I think. And it, it seems to be the thing that sticks with. Oh, um, let's hear it. Uh, <laughs> so I feel so hot now, but we'll see. Um, feeling vulnerable about that. Um, so it is simply to pause, just to pause within any kind of, interaction talk meeting presentation whatever it might be it's just to pause breathe out first allow the air to come in because in that pause it gives you a moment in which to consider what it is that you want, might want to say to consider what you feel to connect back with with who you are and i think that can help you to to show up with greater authenticity to show up with yourself and to 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 manage to manage some of the the fear that is associated with vulnerability and with how it can make you feel. So that's it. Super super simple. But just pause, breathe out, breathe in, and then respond or ask a question or carry on whatever it was you're going to do. Wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> Um, and I use that as an opportunity to think about what I might share <laughs> uh, as well about myself. Hmm. Hardly, I was hoping you might scat for me. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's a big ask, though. It's a big ask for the podcast. Be, well, maybe you could sing with me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is like this is like dare double dare. Isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. This is where I wish I hadn't asked. <laughs> um, I, take, I will totally do it if you do. Um, but to part, so hmm, I don't know if I can do this in a quick, tidy way. But part of the reason that I am interested in vulnerability is that I'm very conscious of how I am perceived by the rest of the world. And I haven't always been really conscious about how I'm perceived by the rest of the world, but I have been taught by the world to be conscious of that. So I, and also I am interested in how people show up. So of course, you know, there's a level of kind of professional interest in that. And I, I find it, uh, I find it really challenging because on the one hand, I encourage everybody else to show up as who they are. And I do fundamentally believe that that is, you know, that is the way forward. And yet I'm also aware that if I show up as who I am, sometimes that's useful and sometimes it's really not useful. So, so, so for example, I shared a story a little while ago about how when I was setting up my business, I <laughs> basically went about it in a completely haphazard, slightly bananas way. And I, and you know, and some of the things that I learned from that and some of the things that I learned from being willing to tell my story. And that's the, in, in terms of vulnerability, that's something that I'm often or have in the past been very unwilling to do. And I'm g getting on board with doing it more partly as I get old, older and just care less <laughs> as it turns out. Um, but what was really interesting about that was that some people read that willingness to share what had gone wrong and what I'd learned from it and that it hadn't all been plain sailing as a lack of confidence. Mm. And I thought that was so interesting because 
I think we do have these kind of really deeply set double standards. And so mm -hmm. depending on who you are, if people have already decided that you ought to be underconfident, you ought to be quiet or worried or think you're not quite good enough, it sort of doesn't matter what you say, they will probably still come to that conclusion about you. Mm. And so if you also show vulnerability, you speed them along <laughs> to that conclusion. Yes. And, and that indeed was what transpired. So some people felt that I was underconfident. Um, one pe person felt that I was not only underconfident, but I mean, I clearly been incompetent. And I rude. How <laughs> very rude, indeed, indeed. And also, I mean, you know me well enough to think that I have, in fact, you know, a sort of wildly overinflated opinion of myself. So this did not sit terribly well with me. But the other interesting thing about it was that there were other people there who saw it for what it was, who really appreciated that I hadn't said. The whole thing has been plain sailing mm. and actually aren't I marvellous and uh, you know my business was a success right from the off and everyone thought it was wonderful and they were really excited at the notion of you know coming and standing in a room and, and conducting each other in unaccompanied song which is one of the mm. things that I do because um, you know they weren't to begin with and it took a while to kind of get to, to work out how to make that useful and how to talk about it and how to um, help people see the benefit that they could derive from it. And for those people, they, they, were my, they were the people that I was talking to, ultimately. And they are the ones who have reached out to me subsequently and have said, how, you know, can you come and talk to us about this? Can you help us here? And that appreciated it. Mm. And so I thought, ultimately, the payoff is worth it. Mm. Because... A, you know, maybe it helps other people and I reach the right kind of people. The other people, they weren't, my, they, they weren't going to be interested in what I was saying. They weren't your people? They weren't my people. I can't, oh yeah, I mean, it sounds like, it sounds so ridiculous to say it and I've now got this phrase stuck in my head. But anyway, they weren't my people, but my people heard me <laughs> and responded to me. I'm so appalling. Um, but, you know, and so that, that was really, that, that was both empowering another massive word um and useful to me but the other thing is that i can't but be who i am yes. and i have spent time pretending not to be who i am and that was exhausting and ultimately ineffective i couldn't i couldn't live that so fundamentally the payoff for me is that being who I am is often costly in the moment, but ultimately it is, you know, it is less expensive mm. on my energy and my time and my resources. And it, ena it enables me to get to where I want to be faster and to find the people who are going to be partners within that. Mm. Kamala, thank you so much. Are you going to sing with me now? <laughs> I think we should do the singing. Oh, we really? to, yeah, we know what to sing. Did we okay, yeah? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Give me a note. Um, which one you need? I'll do top. Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't remember how the second part goes. Okay, ready? 
to the One Fish Culture podcast on vulnerability with Kamala Katbamner and Carrie Beddingfield. All the links to everything Kamala has described today, including her business chirp, can be found in the show notes. And you can find us at www.onefishcoms.co.uk and at at onefishcoms on Twitter. Many thanks. Thank you for listening to this One Fish podcast. I hope you found the conversation thought-provoking and perhaps it raised some questions or puzzles or thoughts for you about your business or organisation. If you hear anything in these podcasts that sparks your interest, tweet us at onefishcoms or you can even book a call straight into my diary if you think we should be talking. All the details, plus all the references to books, people, concepts or anything else we touched on are in the show notes below.